0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the Finance for Students podcast, hosted by myself, Gavin Chang, and my cousin Matthias Reed. Our guest today is Mr. Humphrey Yang, who has amassed over 3.3 3 million followers on TikTok and 900,000 subscribers on YouTube. Mr. Yang, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself?
1: Yeah, sure. So I was just telling you right before this was that I grew up in Hillsboro, and uh, I went to West Hillsborough School and Crocker Middle School. And then for high school, I went to a, a high school down in kind of like the Portola Valley area. And then after that, I got a finance degree from Loyola Marymount University in LA. I worked at a couple of tech startups after college and I was also a financial and, then, and I tried financial advisory for about a year or two. And then I went back to tech, mostly video games. I worked at a video game company, mobile games, and then uh, that was probably like where I learned the most. I was working like, you know, like ten a.m. ten a.m. to like ten p.m. every day for like three straight years, and I learned a lot about just everything about marketing and in terms of how to like monetize a mobile game. And at the same time, I like had ideas of like wanting to start my own business. So in 2016, I left that company. I started my own e-commerce business. I started to grow like some social platform, like some Instagram pages just to help my own business out. And that's kind of where I learned to grow social media accounts. And then in 2019, that's when I started making TikTok videos, mostly to help other people. Like I had a lot of friends that would ask me financial questions and I kept repeating the same thing. So I was like, oh, I'll just make you videos. And initially I just wanted to make YouTube videos. So I made a few YouTube videos. They didn't really go anywhere, which was fine. And then uh, at the end of 2019, TikTok became a little bit bigger. So I like started making them there because nobody was making them on TikTok. Uh, Fast forward a couple of years, like obviously the channel grew like crazy. And then I started to make YouTube videos as well. And so um, it's been like three straight years of making content, but at this point it's full-time. Actually, it was full-time after a year of just making TikToks. So I was pretty proud of that. And then now it's just like, how can we grow grow it and also like still serve our mission, which is like to help people get financial literacy. So I guess this is what you guys are doing too, right? So that's like a very quick two-minute background.
0: Nice. And do you think that uh, learning how to
1: grow social media is like a good skill for students to learn too? I think if you're interested in it, in it, it is a good skill because right now there's still a big... Uh, gap between how someone can grow, uh, like, for example, an Instagram or a social media account versus like what a company will pay for, or like what a company, co- a companies value that very highly right now. And a lot of them don't know how to do it because a lot of the companies are still ran by say someone in their forties or fifties, and they don't really know that much about social media yet they have, they have the idea that like, they need to grow their social media and so there's this knowledge gap that I think like if you as a young person can like grow a grow a page or grow a channel or know exactly how to do that, um, your, your services could be quite valuable to them. And then you yourself could create a business out of that. You could work, you could consult for a company. There's a lot of like, I know a lot of like people in their young 20s, early 20s, mid 20s that are just social media marketing managers. And all they're essentially doing is like, you know, keeping up the engagement, uh, consistently posting, figuring out different like ways to grow the account. And they're being paid quite handsomely by, you know, different companies, because those companies just don't know how to do it.
0: Mm -hmm. And then, uh, what advice would you tell yourself,
1: your teenage self about finance? So personal finance, for example, Gavin? Yeah. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that I would tell myself is that, okay, so in my early 20s, I just definitely just spent a lot of money. And I wasn't really thinking too much about the future impact of money. I was just like, oh, I have like $1,000. Great, I'm going to spend like $800 of it, right? I knew that I had to still have some savings, which was good. But I think one thing that young people really need to know is like, you want to get like, if you want to become wealthy, like you need to get to hundred K as quickly as possible by like any means necessary. And that means like not spending money. That means saving as much as you can and also increasing your income somehow. So like doing side jobs, maybe doing this social media marketing stuff, like I said, but once you reach hundred K, like the next hundred K gets like three times easier. And like, it's kind of weird because as money grows, it continues to get easier to build. But the idea is like, if you, never even get to a point where you save more than 10k like I have a friend he's 30 right now he's never had more than 10k in his bank account and like maybe it touched 10k once but then his spending habits always bring it down to like between five and seven k and he lives in this five to seven k cycle and now he's having a really hard time because he just had a baby and I mean, I don't want to say he's screwed, but at the same time, if he doesn't change his spending habits, like he's infinitely going to be in this kind of like perpetual cycle of just like living on this five to seven K that he has and trying to make you know, like two to three K a month, for example, or whatever. But imagine if you took that same person 10 years ago and you told them, okay, let's just get to a hundred K as quickly as possible. And maybe at like the age of 25, 26, this is like pretty I would say optimistic. Let's say at the age of 25 or 26, he hit a hundred K and he was able to make, you know, like that. And it only took him another year or two to make the next hundred K at age 30, he would be much more comfortable and much more financially stable so that he wouldn't have to make sacrifices in his own life to basically survive. And I think that that all comes from like spending habits. It's sometimes, yeah, you can make it investing, but i just was reading a bunch of studies on like how to make your first 100k and usually 85% of it is generally from savings it's not really from investing like you could get lucky and you know hit like you know like a 1 in 10,000 type of like investment but really that doesn't happen and so it really just comes from small lifestyle changes so a small lifestyle change is something like let's say you go to the deli and you buy lunch you can buy the sandwich, you get the chips and you get the drink. Instead of getting the chips and the drink, just get the sandwich. Like that'll save you let's say 4 or 5 dollars. But if you did that every time you went to the sandwich shop over the course of a year, that might save you like 200 bucks, right? And then you do that same you you apply that same principle across the rest of your life. And so like if you're always buying Starbucks out, maybe you don't buy it out every single week you make one at home. Right. And so like all these little, little things compound to more savings. And then that way your savings grow at a rate where one day you have enough money that it's just compounding on itself. And that's where you want to get to. You want to get to a point where like your money's working for you so that you don't even have to worry about what's the next paycheck or like, am I going to be okay uh, in a year? Right.
0: So you said that the first 100K was roughly 85% savings, but the second one was infinitely easier. How how would you recommend getting
1: the second 100K? So if you save $15,000 a year for six years, okay, and you're able to get a modest 4.5% return on your investments, right? That after six years, you would save $100,000 but 85% of that would be comprised of savings and 15% is interest. So how would you get your next 100k? Well, let's say you're still investing and you're getting the you know you're getting a similar percentage in the market. Um I have this example here. Okay, here's a different example. You save 12k a year, so only $1,000 a month now, which is still a lot of money. And you're able to get 8% in the market. 8% is the S and P 500 historical average, but it is a little bit high. Sometimes, sometimes, some years you get higher, sometimes you get lower. And your, your first hundred K will take you about six years, but your next hundred K assuming you're just investing at this point and not even saving like extra more than like 12,000 a year, it only takes you four years. So the first time it takes you 6.25 years. The next time it takes you 4.25 years. So like you save two years, even though the, the amount of money is the same. And so the idea is like, if you can keep saving and investing at the same time, like you were saving yourself time because of compound interest. Hopefully that helps a little bit. Yeah, it's,
0: it still makes sense. Yeah. Okay. You said something about how you were... You were trying to get as much money as you can to get your first hundred K, like just as quickly as you can in any way possible. But are there yeah. ways, like forms of income that are just better than others that would you'd recommend to students?
1: Yes. Yeah. So anytime where you're like working an hourly job, clearly your your income is tied to your time, right? So like but when you're a student, you don't really have that many skills. So you're usually working an hourly job because that's the only thing you only thing you can really get at that point. So maybe you work like i when I was like 18, I worked at like, you know, a clothing store at the mall and, you know, I was just like folding clothes and like making 10 bucks an hour. Um, and back then 10 bucks an hour is probably like today's like 20 bucks an hour or something, but your income is tied to your time and you want to get to a place where your income is not tied to your time. And that is a really important concept to try to strive for in your twenties and maybe your early thirties, even, even throughout all of your life is to not have it. So like you have to show up and income is being made, but as a, as a student, I acknowledge it's going to be pretty tough to do that unless you start some sort of entrepreneurial type of thing. Um, an example could be a service-based business. So Let's say you are good at mowing lawns. And that's something that I think a student could be good at, right? It doesn't take a genius to, to mow a lawn. But the idea is like you mow a lawn, maybe it takes you two hours to mow that lawn and you charge what, 40, 40, 50 bucks, let's just say. Um, maybe you get a friend and then you start mowing more lawns. Or maybe you, you know, let's say you can mow five lawns a day. That's like 250 bucks, right? Let's say you charge 50 bucks a lawn. I don't know if someone's going to pay you 50 bucks a lawn, but say for the example, you you make 200 to 250 bucks a day. You start earning that money. And in the beginning, it's a lot of like your own time and your own effort. But as you save that money up, you can invest in, let's say, a better machine to like mow, mow lawns faster, right? Now, all of a sudden, instead of making 20 bucks effectively an hour, right? Because the lawn takes you 40, takes you two hours and you make 40 bucks. Instead of making like 20 bucks an hour, maybe with the new machine, you can cut that same lawn in an hour and a half. So, you know, you increase your hourly rate a little bit. And then as that happens, as you scale and word of mouth comes around, like you're going to get busier and busier. And maybe like you start mowing like eight lawns a day. Then you want to start figuring out, okay, well, how can I Hire some people like hire another person, like your friend or a couple other friends to help you mow even more lawns per day, right? And then you kind of scale it up that way. It it is a little bit, I mean, I think that's a very simple example, but mowing lawns is like a really easy way to kind of figure out okay, well, like theoretically, if I could mow 40 lawns in a day, I don't have time to mow 40 lawns a day, but let's say I we could get to a place where we're mowing 40 lawns in a day, it's really easy math 40 lawns. 40 bucks a lawn, that's $1,600 a day. And if you're paying someone else to mow your lawn or mow lawns for you, maybe not the, maybe not the 25, the 20 or 25 bucks an hour, maybe pay them 15 bucks an hour. You can take the difference. And that's like, you're scaling that way with, with labor. So there's like three ways to scale. You can scale with labor. You can scale with capital. So you're using your money to make more money, or you can scale with code. And code is usually like you create one piece of software and it can be bought 10,000 times. And then that way it's, your money is not tied to your time either. So there's a,
0: there's many problems with our education system right now. And uh, one of the major ones regarding universities, it's price. Yeah. It's um, extremely expensive for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you think that students going into college should approach and manage their student debt?
1: Yeah. So first, firstly, I will say that, you know, even just like 10 years ago, I think college was more important than it is today. Like you see, you see a lot of people now making careers in a non-traditional way these days versus maybe 10, 15 years ago, which was not that long ago. Maybe it was long for you guys because that's like your entire lifespan, but just like 10 or 15 years ago, college was still very necessary. Like if you wanted to get a job, in the corporate world or just anything after college, you had to have the, have a degree. But now it's like you have all these people making their own money just from online ventures, right? Or something non-traditional. But let's say you do go to college and you get student debt. Student debt is typically charged to you at a three to 5% interest rate. And usually I think when you're in school, you don't owe any payments, but after the school ends, like after you graduate, you start owing payments on that debt. And if it's a federal loan, yeah, it's I think it's around 3% ish, three to three to three to 5%. So how to navigate that debt, that's a little hard. I think debt kind of puts you in this bad position early on, especially if you get a college degree. you're really forced to start working right after college to start to pay off that debt or else it'll just accrue too quickly. But sometimes it has to do with the opportunity cost of your money. Like 3% is not a higher high interest rate. And I think a lot of people will just be like, oh, well, 3% is not that high. I'll make the minimum payments on my 3% debt. And then I'll try to go make more money elsewhere. I definitely understand that position, but I think it would be better served if that person... Instead of trying to make money elsewhere, was like just paying off the debt, three percent, like creating a payment plan for themselves. So like ten percent of every paycheck goes to paying off my debt until it until it's you know until it's gone. Uh, that's easier said than done. And sometimes I think that yeah, it might not be the best use of your money because you could get ten percent somewhere else. But ten percent somewhere else could have risk associated with it, and it could lose you money. And versus, I think. When you have debt, I think the the best thing you can do is just like instantly try to kill it as quickly as possible, um, and then don't get into credit card debt. Like that's the other thing. So don't don't create more problems for yourself if you already have student debt. Like don't don't start putting more stuff on a credit card, for example.